Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman, and you're in the midst of a great one. If you missed part one of this podcast, which is from September 5th, 2022, my guest is Graham Haynes. We're talking about Bill Dixon. You might want to go back and catch part one. Uh, But otherwise, jump right into part two. Just so as you know, you're going to hear us talking about some gigs. Uh, These are generally in the past. Um, unfortunately, I for for you that you're going to miss out on it. We talk about these gigs that are coming up. Man, that Adam Rudolph show was really magnificent. It was actually last night as I'm recording this, and a, truly a treat. So, do not miss the opportunity to hear any of these artists when you get an opportunity. A lot of the subject artists we talk about are not around. Sometimes they are, but. Uh, obviously, all the guests are here, and every single one of them that we've had in the midst of making great music, and don't miss them when they come to your town. Graham Haynes, considering how peripatetic that fellow is, that could be any minute, no matter where you are. Okay, here's part two. It's September 5th, 2022. Graham Haynes on the topic of Bill Dixon. Bill Dixon. May of nineteen eighty four. That might have had a whole different connotation at that time than it might have now. But uh, that was recorded here in New York City at the top of the gate. The you're listening to WKCR FM New York. WKCR HD1, maybe you're on WKCR.org, or maybe you're listening to this in the future on the Deep Focus podcast. This show, if you're just tuning in going, what? How did I miss this? You can catch it on uh, in your pocket, on your phone. Look for the Deep Focus podcast from Small Media Large, and uh, it's probably on your favorite podcasting app. Hundreds of episodes, including a number of them, with our guest tonight. Very happy to have Graham Haynes here in the studio with us. And we're focusing on the music of Bill Dixon. That was a live recording from the KCR archives. And uh, you won't find that at your local record store if you have one. You will find commercial releases of Bill Dixon, not a huge number of them. He didn't have an enormous discography that I know of, but uh, you might find some with Graham Haynes, like 17 Musicians in Search of a Sound, Darfur, or Tapestries for Small Orchestra, which, Graham, you were kind enough to bring tonight and that you play on. And um, I wonder if you could, uh, I was really fascinated, you were talking about those rehearsals that yeah. you would do with him and his uh I like you know it got to the point where I liked the rehearsals as much or maybe more than the actual playing <laughs> the, the he, there was so much knowledge that he would impart in the rehearsals and there there was an openness that Bill had 
that uh, I just don't know a lot of musicians that have that had have that had or have. Um, and yeah, he was a great master. He had great insight. He was an artist. He was a great graphic artist. Uh, I liked his work a lot, and uh, he was a very uh, knowledgeable man on many subjects. And uh, he was a he was a Zen master. He was a philosopher. He was he was a great teacher, a great great teacher, and. Uh, visionary and as that I think uh, he was not uh, his work was not as appreciated as much as it should have been to, uh, to, to my feeling to my understanding he did have a large student he, he taught at Bennington for some years he created uh, a black arts program at Bennington that ran for some time and he's got a lot of students out there so I think that may be uh, in terms of his popularity that may be his larger strength was his student base the, 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 the amount of students that he had uh, from across uh, the music and arts. I think you. I think I don't know if you had to be a music major or a musician to be to take his class. I think because the way he taught, it was all interdisciplinary, mm-hmm. which, as far as I'm concerned, is the way this music should be taught. Mm. It should be taught in an interdisciplinary way. Why it's not is uh, a huge mystery to me, but that's how he taught it. Go into that a little bit more. Like, what disciplines would you include along with the music? Well, you know, he didn't speak specifically about disciplines, but he talked about creation, how to create and how to find your way inside of your creating, your creation, your the act, you know. And, you know, you could talk for hours on that. That could be uh, psychology. That could be history. That could be. That could be history. It could be architecture. It could be uh, philosophy. It, it could be literature, visual, painting, music, dance, movement, anything, you know. Well, you're touching into some other things that come into play in some of these other recordings Anthropology. that we have. Anthropology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he another uh, innovation, and he's associated, we were talking about some of his contemporaries. Um, he also, very interesting life and career in a bunch of different ways. Um, he also presented music. He was a an impresario of the scene that he was involved in early on. And one of the things that he pursued or included in his work that uh, some others did too, including Cecil Taylor, was of movement. And um, that's also part of some of these shows. Obviously, radio might not lend itself to that, but that is right. a creative uh he was an organizer. He did like organizing the musicians. He's known for this, what is the October? October Revolution. October Revolution music. Yeah, in music, yeah. 
Yeah, and which included, uh, that's a very interesting historic topic, uh, festival that he put together not too far from here, as a matter of fact. I think that was on, Cellar uh, Cafe was on West 91st Street. And a lot of these musicians who were uh, his contemporaries in the mid-60s who were, I don't want to say overlooked because they had an audience, and he set out to prove, he as an individual specifically set out to prove that there was an audience for this music and succeeded in doing that by presenting it. And they had this festival that went, I think it was four days from like four in the afternoon till midnight and and an absolute who's who of some of the people that were on the scene in New York at that time participated in it, showed New York and it showed the world because it got covered in a lot of press uh, that uh, people wanted to hear this music, which, you know, you made that... Um, Gallo's humor joke about free jazz earlier, but you know he was showing no. There is an audience for this. Uh, it was October of '64, and um, yeah, that was that was a really bold stroke, an innovation. And this next recording we have is from a few years after that. And um, wondering if you want to talk a little bit about that. This is a whole other aspect of Bill Dixon's creativity. The music that we heard was that duet and his bravura trumpet playing with Milford Graves' percussion and vocalizing. And um, this is an entirely other direction. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that if you like. or uh, if we Well, as, as a composer of large ensembles, I think uh, Bill was one of the great composers and you know there's a story that uh Coltrane wanted to wanted Bill to arrange uh a large ensemble recording for and it was a recording that I think I don't know if that actually happened in train use I don't know if that was a a recording that turned out to be something else but uh train wanted to hire Bill to arrange a large ensemble for him he was uh he was a very studious composer, and uh, his way of composing was very, very interesting. He would dictate a lot of uh, music to us, and we would notate it. Not that he didn't know how to notate it, right? But he would call out the the, the notes and say, "Okay, hold this is a quarter note, and hold it, you know, and then tie it to, you know." He, that's how the parts were written. And sometimes he'd come in with paper. And um, his music, his large ensemble writing and, 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 and smaller group writing has a particular sound. He has a sound as a composer that's uh, unmistakable. Also, I mean, it's also very interesting to me, and people might throw him in with some of those other artists that he worked with. But, um, you know, the connotation when people talk about, quote-unquote, free jazz is this uh, unstructured, spontaneous improvisation, which a lot of that music did have. But he's going in a whole other direction here. Yes, his music has a structure. It, it, it has a, His composed music has 
has, uh, you know, he's, he spoke a lot about the center and getting to the center, and his music definitely has that. You can hear the center of it. There's is, is a point at which everything else kind of revolves around. And, uh, you know, that comes with a lot of years of research, you know, because as, as I said, uh, I would count him as one of the minimalist composers, probably. But to get to that minimalism takes a lot of, you know, it doesn't, you don't always necessarily start with the starkness. It's, it, sometimes you have to go through a lot to get to a little, you know, and uh, he, he was one of those, he, a lot of trial and error process, a lot of different theories and different processes and different uh, experimentations that go, a lot of trial and error that go into the final uh, sound that, that you're dealing with. And he, he knew how to get to the core. He knew how to create music that did not sound like it was fixed to anything. You know, that's not an easy task because that's the difference between when a lot of people talk about free jazz and it's completely open and it's free and there's nothing. There's no, there's no, uh, there are no guidelines. That's the difference between that, the difference between that and playing through composed music and then there's something in between that, you know, and. That, that right there is one of the great questions of this music. And, and as it exists going forward, I would think, how do you how do you have that spontaneity and have a single voice going through a large ensemble, yeah. right? I mean, that's, yeah. I think, the work you did with Butch Morris was emblematic of that. And it's interesting seeing that that's got a life of its own beyond Butch's life now that we're in that era moving past him and there's still people who are practicing that. And But there's... Bill Dixon had a whole other approach to that. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of yeah. the same and, idea. You know, and, and Butch looked to Bill. You know, I mean, that was one of his mentors as well. You know, so... Um, um, I think... Yeah, it's interesting. Having spent a lot of time with Butch, I spent a lot more time with Butch than I did with Bill. And... Uh, uh, as I said, one thing, well, the obvious thing they both have in common is they're both trumpet players. Butch started out playing trumpet. And uh, then he went, then he then switched to cornet and then got developed conduction. Um, Bill, from what I, from what I know of him, because as I said, I didn't know him, I didn't get to know him that well. Bill, uh, I worked with Bill three times, and the third time he was pretty ill, and he passed not long after that. Um, so I didn't spend a lot of time with him, but the time that I spent with him was very vital. Um, 
Bill, from what I understand, he, he, he studied a lot of music. He studied a lot of classical music. He studied a lot of jazz. He was around the early, he was, he was you know, he was around the, scene, the jazz scene in the 19, late 1940s and 50s. Wow. You know, he was in New York at that time, you know, uh, playing and, and studying and soaking it all up. And he knew the language of the music from the 1950s, post birth of the cool, uh, and then into a lot of the third stream. He knew he knew all that music, and uh, also knew you know Ellington and comp bass and all that. You know he knew. <laughs> You're listening to WKCR. The show's called Deep Focus. I'm your host Mitch Goldman. Very happy to have Graham Haynes here in the studio, and bringing some insight to music of the subject of deep focus bill dixon and uh, we're going to turn to another really fascinating rare live recording you probably never heard and um but i want to ask you've got some shows coming up people have an opportunity to hear you play live do you anything you want to talk about or uh should we give them a little tease and come back to it yes okay this saturday at summer stage in central park uh, I have to check and find out what time, actually, showtime is. I think it's 7 p.m. 7 p.m., yeah. Adam Rudolph Gold Organic Orchestra. I will be performing a special guest also with Dave Liebman, Hassan Hakmoon, Brandy Younger, and Joel Ross with the Brooklyn Rock Massive and Go Organic Orchestra. It's going to be quite, quite an experience, so... Definitely want to come and check that out. That's Saturday at Summer Stage in Central Park. This is a moment of great magnitude. I can't remember the last time this kind of music was presented in this kind of, I mean, right in the middle of Central Park here in Manhattan, New York City. This is a fantastic opportunity. It's free, I assume, right? It's part of the summer stage. I think it's a, I think so. a free concert. <laughs> I think so. I hope so. <laughs> and uh, it's right in your backyard. And I don't care where you live. Central Park is your backyard. Yeah. yeah. You don't I've been going this. to concerts in Central Park since I was six. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, I still go to Central Park. It's my, <laughs> it's my meditation in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's a, it's a great fantastic presentation if you don't know summer stage you definitely want to be there for this one but uh this i think that we're going to see a big gathering of the tribe out there on saturday yeah it's going to be a major event uh, so let me just say again uh if you didn't get that summer stage is at uh i guess it's called rumsey playfield it really is in the middle of the park it's right about 72nd street you can enter from the east side or the west side and walk on in and it's going to be uh actually the entrance is sort of on the east side but you can approach from either way and this is saturday night this saturday night september 10th at 7 p.m this is this is the place to be and then september 15th i'll be playing in duet with adam rudolph at the jazz gallery another great spot to hear the music yeah September 15th. That was the last place you and I convened in December, I think it was. Wow, that's right. Who was playing? Didn't you play? 
with Vijay, I think, right? Uh, okay, you came to that. Right. <laughs> yeah. right, 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 right. Now, okay, it's coming back to me. And then September 16th and 17th, I'll be playing as guest with Vijay Iyer Trio at Smoke, September 16th and 17th. Three magnificent opportunities to hear you play. Three or four? How many did we get to there? Something like that. And uh, so the 10th, the the 17th, yes. Yeah, Yeah, great, great, great shows. Not to be missed. And uh, all of them. And not not even just because you're going to be part of them. They're all fantastic ensembles. And uh, so let's turn to this recording from 1968. Do you want to introduce it? You want me to run down the personnel or? Yeah. So uh, it's we don't have the exact date. It's 1968, listed as Bill Dixon University of the Streets Orchestra, and uh, University of the Streets was uh, I guess the same place that we knew mm-hmm. back then on, in the East Village, right? I'm yeah, I'm sh- yeah, sure that's what place. this was. So uh, this is a very interesting uh, assortment of musicians. Feel free to interrupt at any time if you want to share any personal stories about any of these players, because it's quite an ensemble. So Bill Dixon's the leader and composer. He's playing trumpet. We've got, and some of these guys, actually, I've never heard of. So it's it's quite a range. Uh, Leo Jones and Jacques Corsile on the trumpets. Clifford Thornton, cornet. Richard Dunbar, French horn. Sam Burtis and Wesley Whitaker, trombones. John Buckingham, the tuba. Dave Chamberlain, flute and soprano sax. Marzette Watts on bass clarinet. Sonny Simmons on English horn, Monty Waters, bass natural soprano sax. I'm not quite sure what that means, but uh, that's what it's listed as. Leo Pinar Whitlarge, alto sax. Sam Rivers, soprano and tenor sax. Arthur Doyle, tenor sax. Sonny Clark, baritone sax. Warren Chasson on the vibes. Susan Elrausch, the mezzo-soprano voice. And uh, should we jump right in there? Anything else you want to... Sure. Yeah, let's jump right. Let's a jump lot of right. these guys I don't know either. But yeah. I, yeah. Um, but some of them, obviously, we definitely do know. Um, the name uh, Arthur Doyle jumps out at me, somebody that I used to know back in those uh, Binghamton days I was telling you about. And um, there he is side by side with Sam Rivers. So, well, here we go. It's a whole lot of music coming at you. If this is Bill Dixon, University of the Streets Orchestra from the WKCR Archives. It's Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman here with Graham Haynes. And let's go to the University of the Streets on WKCR.
listening to, you're listening to WKCR FM New York, WKCR HD1, or maybe WKCR.org, or the show is going to go up on the Deep Focus podcast. You can find hundreds of shows. If you're enjoying this, you should uh, go and check that out. You'll even find other shows with my guest tonight, Graham Haynes, on the Deep Focus podcast. But um, we're listening tonight at Graham Haynes' suggestion and recommendation music from Bill Dixon. And we are right now at the University of the... I think, I assume, I'm assuming this is recorded at the University of the Streets, which was down in the East Village for many years. Recorded in 1968, date unknown, and um, presumably it's, it's listed as University of the Streets Orchestra. Yeah, uh, w- uh, um... Leona Parr didn't say whether it was... Oh, I should have asked him. So, okay, now, there's this ensemble of, it's got to be, I'll give you the names again, close to 20 musicians. And you and I were saying, Graham, well, some of these guys, we know the names very well. Some we happen to know, and some we don't know at all. One of which was the name Leo Pinar Whitlarge. And who do you think called us... Leo Pinar Whitlarge. This recording was made 54 years ago. And Leo Pinar Whitlarge, so happy to talk to you. And uh, living in Brooklyn and writing music and doing um, digital art. And said he, I asked him, I said, are you, are you still playing? He said, I think I'm going to start again. And uh, had some stories about this date. And you and I were just saying off mic how huge the sound of must have been in that room this big ensemble and these guys all feel like it feels like a uh, 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 a, a great like uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good analogy of like uh, um, this huge thing coming at you this the sound yeah, must this have army just of been sound. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, in that room, you know, I, I, I used to go to universities of the streets. They used to have good jam sessions there. So I, I have a lot of memories of going on there, hanging out in jam. But it was a great room. It was a great room. I think it was on the second or the third floor. Yeah, yeah, I want to say second floor. And it had a big window. You could yeah. see Avenue B and um, uh, Avenue A, I think it was. It was A. I, it was, A. I, was, I yeah. think it was A, yeah. And, uh, so yeah, we were talking about how great the sound of the ensemble is in the room yeah yeah Yeah. it's uh this these recordings but a pale simulacrum of the experience you will have if you leave your house put down that put down that racing form (laughs) (laughs) look at me when i'm talking to you get out the door go and hear the music go be where the music is if you're here in new york city if you can come Saturday evening to the beauty of Central Park Summer Stage, you can hear Graham Haynes playing with Go Organic Orchestra, Adam Rudolph's Large Ensemble, and Brooklyn Raga Massive also playing on that same bill. Not only that, if you don't like it, we'll give you a money-back guarantee because it's free. <laughs> free show in Central Park. You can't do better than That's that. cheating. <laughs> you cannot do better. Can you do better than that? You cannot do better than that. You cannot do better than that. Uh, and, and you're going to like that so much that you're going to want to be at the Jazz Gallery on the 15th for duet performance 
Graham Haynes and Adam Rudolph. You've heard Adam on this show a number of times. Another great favorite guest. And then it's Smoke, which so happy to see that place reopened. You know, uh, that's actually not too far from our studios here. It's 105 and Broadway. And I walk by there not unfrequently, and it was a little heartbreaking seeing the place boarded up. So it's been a venue for a long time, and it was the same location was Augie's, if you remember, way back when, speaking of jam sessions. And um, not only are they reopened, but they've I think they've doubled in size. I haven't been inside now. They were closed for, I think, for a full two years mm-hmm. during COVID, and they're rocking, and you're going to be there with Vijay Iyer on the 16-17? Yeah, right. Yeah, good memory. And what's the uh, what's the ensemble? Uh, it's his trio, and I'm trying to remember who is in the trio. He's had a uh, a uh, rotating cast of characters, all fantastic, and always with a wonderful group sound, but I don't want to guess because there have been different people at different times but um whoever it is i'm sure it's going to be somebody worth hearing so that is uh yeah four four giant stars on the calendar 10th in central park 15th at the jazz gallery 16th 17th at smoke and all with my guest graham haynes and um other than the the enormity of that ensemble um, we talked a bit about Bill Dixon's playing earlier in the context of um, that uh, duet performance with Milford Graves. Now we're hearing his writing, his concept. Any response to what you're hearing there in that uh, University of the Streets recording? I just love how the piece unfolds, how it starts, and then it goes to a peak, and then it comes down slowly and then it kind of trickles down for a while it's an amazing sense of use of dynamics and uh, orchestration and energy and and uh, yeah. yeah yeah it's it's everything that i remember from working with bill uh it was very powerful very uh very powerful and very unique it's got a little bit of um in that sense, in particular, in the energy and the, the build and the tension and release and the pace at which that happens, it's got a little bit of um, Indian raga kind of feel, which was also big influence on Coltrane at that same time. I don't know if that's something he yeah, talked about. Yeah, and, or, uh, you know, the, the, the Indian ragas and the con- concepts in, of Indian music – in 1968, the United States had taken hold, you know, to a lot of, not to a lot, but to several composers and musicians, jazz musicians, definitely. Uh, the use of, of um, those type of forms of Asian music, Indian music, was, was definitely at coming into view in the United States and this is 1968. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was... But, um, you know, it's quite possible that it, it's, it was just a coincidence right, that it was something that was in the way. air. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean... He, it he, reminds me, there's something about the, the, the way that... I, I, I did a gig once. I performed on a, a concert with Butch Morris once in, in, in Spain, in Madrid, 
and it was in this place called the Crystal Palace. And it's a huge, um, uh, what do you call like a glass uh, house for flowers? Oh, yeah, like a... <laughs> a hot house. Yeah, <laughs> solarium, a hot house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's yelling at the radio saying the word that we're not thinking of. Right. But <laughs> Arboretum. And... We did this performance, and it started in the afternoon, and the sun was up. And we played straight through the whole show. And, you know, I think it was in the fall, so, you know, like the sun is setting at like 6 or 7 o'clock. And as the sun was going down, it affected, because this is a glass structure, so you right, can yeah. see the sunrise and the sunset and everything, you know, you can see the, the influence of, you know, how the sun is is rising and setting. And as the sun was going down, it was changing the music that we were playing because mm. it was all improvised that we were doing. Yeah. It was a kabuch conduction. And, yeah. and this piece has that, it's like, the, the, it's an arc, but it's a natural, it's kind of like a natural arc that happens that could have been based on something, some external thing, you know. In that case, with Butcher, was the the sun setting, the setting of the sun, was influencing the sounds that we were playing and the the energy of 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 the show. And well, as you said, this place did have that big picture window. Yeah, might, might but have been a similar thing. Could have been, but I think you know this was a, a composed piece. Yes, you know, yes. so that those dynamic. That dynamic shape was probably written into it. But uh, anyway. Well, let me give the ensemble one more time for those who tuned in in between. And we got uh, a little bit more of that set. And then we got some other great stuff coming up as we enter our three of Deep Focus. And uh, so once again, it's Bill Dixon is the leader, the trumpeter, the composer. This recording is not uh, commercially available, but... You will find some of his recordings if you go look, and you should, and uh, you'll hear. There's just, Graham, this, his music, there's just, for me, waves and waves of ideas that come through. There's just, a, a feels like there's this uh, overflowing fountain of, of thoughts and imagination and concept and and uh, responding to them in this music. It's a real big, big, very lush variety in a low-key kind of way. Yeah, I agree. Um, trumpets of Leo Jones and Jacques Corsil. Cornet is Clifford Thornton. Richard Dunbar, French horn. Trombones of Sam Burtis and Wesley Whitaker. John Buckingham, tuba. Dave Chamberlain on the flute and soprano sax. Marzette Watts, bass clarinet. Sonny Simmons, English horn. You know, I announced Monty Waters, and I said I didn't understand what bass natural soprano sax was. And Leo Pinar Whitlarge explained it was a B natural, B natural soprano sax, which sounds very unusual. I, I don't know if I've ever seen such a thing, but there it is. Leo Pinar Whitlarge himself, our callers, playing alto sax. Sam Rivers on soprano and tenor saxophones. Arthur Doyle, tenor saxophone. Sonny Clark, baritone sax. Warren Chasson on the vibes. Susan L. Rausch on 
as the vocalist, mezzo-soprano vocals. And once again, this is listed as the University of the Streets Orchestra, and Graham Haynes and I are assuming it was probably recorded at University of the Streets, which would fit in any number of different ways, although the venue specifically is not listed, or the date in 1968. And um, Sam Rivers is probably the best known of these musicians, but uh, here he is, a member of the ensemble. But uh, another one of the um, bright lights that associated with Bill Dixon at times through his career. But all these musicians, he's he's bringing it out of them. And there's a bunch of other players who were known on the downtown scene and beyond on here. It's very, uh, and it's just such a rich sounding ensemble. Wish we had a better recording, but glad we have anything at all to share this music with you. Any other thoughts? Should we jump back in or uh, anything Anything on you? You look like <coughs> you, you got something jump, in mind. No, you want to jump back into this or you want to go to um, to Newport? Ooh, could do. Could do. You want to do that? As the, you know, we, all, <laughs> we always end up yeah. saying, yeah, always get to 9 o'clock going, How'd that happen so fast? <laughs> right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, let's uh, well go to Newport. We, yeah, let's go to Newport. All let's right, I Newport. think I think I can hear the people calling out to us, saying Newport, Newport. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna go to Newport. Tell them about Newport. Okay, this is. Oh, okay. Um, I could tell them about Newport. You yeah. could tell them about Newport. So Newport, okay, so this is about two years earlier. This is, yeah, 1966. Did you, uh, did you find it? Yeah, so that's two years earlier, 1966, July 2nd, probably an FM broadcast, it says here. I think this came from, uh, from WKCR quite possibly. I don't know. But uh, very interesting ensemble. Who we got along with Bill Dixon's trumpet? Ken McIntyre, whose orchestra I also played in. Uh, Ken McIntyre, great reed player, composer. Makanda Ken McIntyre on alto sax and bass clarinet. Lewis Brown on tenor sax. Bob Cunningham on bass. Tom Price on drums. And it says Judith Dunn movement, which we won't be able to hear. But I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got the recording. It's uh, and this is a, another very different sound for Bill Dixon. And um, well, we'll let you hear for yourself. The show's called Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. So happy to have Graham Haynes here in the studio with me once again. Graham playing Saturday night in Central Park at Summer Stage, Adam Rudolph's Go Organic Orchestra, and Brooklyn Raga Massive on the bill. And uh, here is music from the WKCR archives from Bill Dixon. It's WKCR.
That's part two of that one from September 5th, 2022. It was Labor Day here in New York City. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. Graham Haynes was with me. And our topic, Bill Dixon. That is part two of three. So you got one more part waiting for you. I'll see you over there.